0: The Florida Department of Education recently announced that it rejected 42 math textbooks from its adoption list for incorporating, quote, prohibited topics or unsolicited strategies, including CRT, or critical race theory. But further examination indicates that in most cases, it was references to social-emotional learning, not race, that led to these rejections. Hi, I'm Milton Allen Turner, and this week I'll be discussing social-emotional learning and asset-based pedagogies, such as culturally responsive teaching, and I'll explain why how we learn is as important as what we learn. Welcome to this week's episode of Worldviews. The Florida Department of Education issued a press release on April 15th, 2022, that it called Florida Rejects Publishers Attempts to Indoctrinate Students. Florida announced that it did not approve 41% of the textbooks submitted for the state's official math list and rejected 71% of the K-5 through textbooks submitted for approval. The department claimed that certain math books would indoctrinate students with, quote, unsolicited strategies, unquote. The press release stated that the, quote, reasons for rejecting textbooks included references to critical race theory, CRT, inclusions of common core, and... The Unsolicited Edition of Social-Emotional Learning, SEL, in Mathematics. The press release went on to claim, quote, It is unfortunate that several publishers, especially at the elementary school grade levels, have ignored this clear communication and have attempted to slip rebranded instructional materials based on Common Core standards, into Florida's classrooms, while others have included prohibited and divisive concepts, such as the tenets of CRT or other unsolicited strategies of indoctrination, despite the Florida Department of Education's prior notification. However, a report by Dana Goldstein and Stephanie Saul of the New York Times on April 22nd, 2022, called A Look Inside the Textbooks That Florida Rejected, explained that, quote, prohibited and divisive concepts such as the tenets of CRT had nothing to do with these rejections. Goldstein and Saul reported that, quote, in most of the books, there was little that touched on race, never mind an academic framework like critical race theory. But many textbooks included social emotional learning content, a practice with roots in psychological research that tries to help students develop mindsets that can support academic success. Goldstein and Saul explained that social-emotional learning is designed to develop five core skills, self-awareness, self-management, responsible decision-making, social awareness, and relationship building. This framework was developed by the Collaborative for Academic, Social, and Economic Learning, or CASEL, an educational nonprofit organization. Goldstein and Saul noted that, quote, until recently, the idea of building social emotional skills was a fairly uncontroversial one in American education. Research suggests that students with these skills earn higher test scores. They further explained that, quote, The textbooks that Florida rejected are filled with references to character traits like perseverance and cooperation. A first grade textbook from the publisher Savas Learning Company, formerly known as Pearson K-12 Learning, repeatedly refers to the importance of, quote, effortful learning, learning together, and having a growth mindset. Goldstein and Saul also explained that, quote, high school books too draw from these concepts. A rejected geometry textbook from the publisher Study Edge prompts students to rate from one to four how willing they are to, quote, try new things in math or to, quote, persevere when something is challenging. they observed that, quote, there are few references to race throughout these math textbooks, though publishers often took care to include word problems with ethnically diverse names and foods like empanadas. But this rejected McGraw-Hill pre-algebra textbook did include many biographies of mathematicians throughout history, almost all of whom were women or people of color. Ella Saran wrote the article, Social Emotional Learning is the Next Classroom Target After Critical Race Theory, for Bloomberg on April 22, 2022. In her article, Saran reported that, quote, Social Emotional Learning, or SEL, addresses students' feelings and interpersonal skills as they learn. A variety of programs integrate SEL into the curriculum to help students build self-awareness and self-management, improve responsible decision-making and develop relationship skills. They include second step programs, which were developed by the nonprofit Committee for Children as well as best practices established by the Collaborative for Academic, Social, and Emotional Learning, CASEL. Advocates say social-emotional learning can help boost students' confidence, teach them to better manage their emotions, and prevent bullying. Some educators also use SEL to help students process their feelings in an effort to reduce rising suicide rates. What does social emotional learning look like in practice? Saren explains, quote, it depends on the topic. Many guidelines suggest that the educators ask students how they feel about difficult lessons, hold group activities, and focus on communication skills. A guide published by Castle suggests that teachers, quote, establish shared classroom rules and expectations and consequences so that the students can see the impact of their actions and behaviors on outcomes at the beginning of the school year. It also recommends that teachers help students assess their strengths, weaknesses, and frustrations with a given topic, like math, or language arts. The Second Step program asks children and educators to assess power and privilege in its anti-racism lessons. An excerpt from a textbook by Savas Learning Company shared by the New York Times, suggests that students, quote, disagree respectfully when establishing different ways to solve the same math problem. Saren quoted Dr. Aliyah A. Samuel, the chief executive officer of CASEL, who said, quote, for students to excel academically, they need to feel engaged in the classroom, collaborate with their peers and work through challenges. If our nation prioritizes the academic growth of young people, we must also prioritize their social-emotional learning. What are the benefits to social-emotional learning? Siren explained, quote, a 2017 study from the University of Massachusetts Medical School found that SEL helped pre-kindergarten students improve their executive function, better regulate their emotions, and hone their social skills. The Titan Partners report found that schools often use SEL frameworks to help close achievement gaps for minority and low-income students. Saren pointed out that challenges are, quote, popping up across the country, the Canyon School District in Salt Lake County, Utah, suspended its second step program in September and said that it would establish its own program to meet Utah State Board of Education requirements. The move followed pushback from the conservative group Parents of Patriots and from parents who claimed that schools were using social emotional learning as a covert way of teaching critical race theory and sex education. In a press release, one Utah parent said, any SEL program should be, quote, politically and ideologically neutral. Saren further noted that, quote, other challenges to SEL have cropped up in Georgia, Indiana, Idaho, Minnesota, and Texas. In Oklahoma, a state senator in February introduced a bill that would ban schools from using funds for SEL education. Similar legislation has been offered in Wisconsin. The Florida Department of Education on Monday said it rejected 41% of proposed math textbooks on the basis that they did not adhere to state standards or included prohibited topics, including CRT and SEL. It's not about how you feel about the problem or to introduce some of these other things. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, a Republican said in a press conference about SEL being used to teach math. There's a right answer or a wrong answer, he said. But math in particular and education in general are not just about getting a right or a wrong answer. It's about the process and the journey as much as it is about the outcome. Why else would math teachers require students to show their work if all they cared about was the final product? How students learn is as important as what they learn. Pedagogy matters. This has given rise in recent years to increased research in asset-based pedagogies. Instead of focusing on what students get wrong or what they lack, their deficits or liabilities, educators now often focus on what students get right, what they bring to the classroom, their gifts, or their assets. Education Week writers Madeline Will and Eliana Najaro discuss the differences between three types of asset-based pedagogies in their article, What is Culturally Responsive Teaching? Published on April 18th, 2022 The asset-based pedagogies they examined in the article were culturally relevant pedagogy, culturally responsive teaching, and culturally sustaining pedagogy. Willa Naharo defined culturally relevant pedagogy as quote a way of teaching that fosters student achievement while helping students to accept and affirm their cultural identity, as well as develop critical perspectives that challenge social inequities. They explain that there are three components of culturally relevant pedagogy. First, student learning, prioritizing students' intellectual growth, including their ability to problem solve. Second, cultural competence. Creating an environment where students affirm and appreciate the culture of origin while also developing fluency in at least one other culture. And third, critical consciousness. Teaching students how to identify, analyze, and solve real world problems, especially those that result in social inequities, against the marginalized groups. Culturally responsive teaching is defined as, quote, a pedagogy that uses students' customs, characteristics, experiences, and perspectives as tools for better classroom instruction. Students of color see themselves and their communities as belonging in academic spaces. The term culturally responsive teaching was coined by the researcher Geneva Gay in 2000, who wrote that, quote, when academic knowledge and skills are situated within the lived experiences and frames of references for students, they are more personally meaningful, have higher interest appeal, and are learned more easily and thoroughly. Culturally sustaining pedagogy is defined as, quote, a way of teaching that explores, honors, and nurtures students and communities' cultural ways of being. This approach considers the evolving identities and languages of students. Willa Nachar wrote, that quote, culturally sustaining pedagogy says that students of color should not be expected to adhere to white middle-class norms, but their own cultural ways of being should be explored, honored, and nurtured by educators. In their Education Week article, Luna Haro not only explained what asset-based pedagogies are, But they also explained what they are not. What isn't culturally responsive teaching? They explained, quote, Researchers note that some educators say that they're practicing culturally responsive teaching, but it's an overly simplified version. For example, for some teachers, a multicultural school potluck meal or Adding diverse books to their classroom library sufficiently counts as affirming students' culture in education. But culturally responsive teacher is deeper, more critical work. They added that some educators feel too often that, quote, white progressive educators view culturally responsive teaching as an add-on to their regular instruction instead of a fundamental shift in their pedagogy. For example, a teacher might think students of color just need to see themselves in order to feel motivated and do the work. So she'll incorporate diverse books into her classroom or syllabus, but not change anything to the content or her way of instruction. Willa Nahara noted that, quote, another common misconception is that culturally responsive teaching is a way of addressing student trauma, which is a deficit-based ideology that assumes the universal experience of people of color is one of trauma. They emphasize that, quote, asset-based pedagogies like culturally relevant or culturally responsive teaching are not the same thing as critical race theory. They have different theoretical bases and different goals. However, there are some commonalities. For example, the questions students are encouraged to ask about social systems, including education, may ring close the consciousness that critical race theory is meant to evoke. Willa Huddle concluded that quote because these pedagogies directly address aspects of students' cultural identities and how those identifiers are present in classroom conversations, legislation against critical race theory or protests at school board meetings, often end up lumping these concepts together and targeting them in bans and investigations. Nate Powell and Andrew Aiden, with the late representative John Lewis, created the award-winning March trilogy of graphic novels, recounting the history of the civil rights movement. On April 12th, 2022, Powell and Aiden submitted an opinion piece to the Washington Post entitled, Opinion. Kids can handle learning about civil rights, so teach them. They began the piece by noting, quote, not too long ago, a Southern Poverty Law Center report described what's called the quote, nine word problem. That most U.S. high school graduates had learned only these few words about the civil rights movement. Rosa Parks, one, two. Martin Luther King, three, four, five. And I have a dream, six, seven, eight, nine. Powell and Aiden argued that, quote, With just those nine words, you can't make a coherent picture of the civil rights movement, especially how change was actually achieved, who was involved in that change, and what ideas were central to it. And that's the entire point of limiting Americans' understanding of the movement. It won't make sense. Paul and Aiden concluded the Washington Post piece by saying, quote, now it's up to us to speak up in defense of young people's capacity to learn true history, to handle a little discomfort, and to ask the important questions in more than just nine words. I hope that we adults can handle a little discomfort and make sound choices about our children's education based on facts and not fear. Otherwise, we'll have created a brand new nine word problem. We care more about politics than our students' education. listening. I hope you've enjoyed this week's show and that you found something in it to spark a deeper conversation leading to greater understanding. I'm Milton Allen Turner and I invite you to join me again next week for more World Views.